What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Dogs Basketball Podcast. Here we are on this Tuesday after a five-day hiatus. After our previous pod, I am Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. Noah, what's going on? We have some things to talk about here. A lot of actually decent stuff headed for our big-time game tomorrow. Yeah, it's a big-time game tomorrow, and uh, we got back. Um, good game, good um, doing what we want against a D2 school, a decent D2 school, good test against us, and uh, came out victorious. Yeah, we did as we expected. We got the lead up to like 25. We ended up winning by 20 points. We will get to the recap of that game here shortly. We have some more topics to discuss, Noah, because uh, as we know, on this day a year ago, and we posted this on our Instagram, follow us at Dogs Podcast, and on our Twitter, uh, that on this day a year ago, we were at Butler, which we, as we know, was a out-of-nowhere scheduled game due to other teams canceling for COVID. Actually, it's ironic, before we had COVID and all that stuff and dealt with everything, the markets and everything. So this was at our peak. We were undefeated at this point, went in, beat Butler. Like we said, we were there. Noah, that was a fun trip, as we've talked about multiple times. We can't, can't believe it's already been a year because we recall, obviously, going there, making the trip. And going, there was incredible, incredibly historic and huge mansion-type houses in these neighborhoods we drove around. We went and ate. Everything that was really cool leading up to going and seeing Hinkle Field House, which, as we know, is historic. Uh, it was a great, great trip, and obviously chair on top was us coming out with a victory. Yeah, that was a great trip and one of the best venues I've ever, ever been to, probably top five. And, uh, yeah, it just puts it on the top that uh, – we remember, remember um, being here, heard on the next day on the Dan Patrick show, uh, that being talked about on there a little bit, and it was just great to, great to, great time, and then great to hear the next day. Yeah, it was a really fun game, and we recall, obviously, Hinkle Fieldhouse hosted a lot of the tournament games uh, last year when they had that idea of sticking in Indianapolis for the tournament, uh, and overall, yes, definitely historic. It was a great time. Uh, even Jeff Banks, Dalton Banks' dad said, definitely a fun night and dr- drive through the night to get back to Eclair. Would do that 100% times over, as would we. Uh, yes, we went out with a three. Obviously, we won by three. And Noah, we, we posted on our Twitter, and Trent Brown, who we know obviously had a great game that game. If it wasn't for him, we would have lost. He had great defense on one of their best scores, and he put up that 20-piece. We recall that three hit in the corner, that pump fake, and one three. That kind of had that going, so it's ironic that Trent liked that. Yeah, he had a great game. We're looking to have him back at some point. Incredible game, incredible drive over there. It was really cold. Can't believe it's already been a year. We recall, obviously, the rescheduling of games that we know has already happened. We know COVID has been running rampant through some college programs, and we're crossing our fingers. But just the fact that games like this would arise to be able to have, and you know, we kind of want more of that. Obviously, we don't want COVID to hit – you know, certain programs, definitely not ours, to even warrant having the possibility of this. But it is fun doing that. Uh, so we took advantage of that at the time. And that was a good game. Butler, I can't. I don't think they finished uh, all that well throughout the rest of that year. But no, it wasn't that they had, like, the longest home winning streak at all Division One or something. Yes. It was like, it was a crazy number. People were tweeting about it, which was great. So it did, obviously, wonders for our program at the time. Like we said, we were undefeated at that point before the season kind of uh, took a downfall, as you would say, after that. So it was a great day on this day a year ago. Like we said, it's kind of flown by. 
So, Noah, now let's segue to some more things. Real quickly, uh, we retweeted it, and it was actually a day after we saw it that we retweeted it, um, that Arch Madness tickets are on sale for people who do not know. We actually just took off the days of our work for that whole weekend, Thursday on through. Um, obviously, we don't want to play on Thursday. Hopefully, our games start on Friday. But, yeah, we took that day off. Hopefully, others will as well. It's a great time of the year. Uh, what was a tweet that uh, they had on about, obviously, you can get your tickets online and at the Enterprise Center and all that stuff, Ticketmaster.com and everything, all session tickets. Uh, we need to get ours at some point. There's a video they posted of all the old videos and the players talking on Team Chanel. We're really excited for that. Like I said, we took those days off today. Yeah, that's uh, it's going to be a great time. Uh, I haven't been uh... – we usually go up for our games only, but I haven't been up there for a full weekend in a long time since I was a kid. So uh, um, able to get off for that, and it's going to be a great weekend. Yeah, hopefully we avoid Thursday this year and uh, can stay healthy enough to be uh, – got to get to Saturday at least now this year. Yeah, and obviously it all depends on seating. Yeah, that will all play out. We know it's going to be a crazy conference season. And yeah, healthy in terms of physically and obviously with COVID, hopefully none of, nothing happens from here on out. I say that. Find some wood around or cross your fingers. But yeah, definitely cannot wait for that. You're right. And actually, we when we scheduled a weekend to go there two years ago, it's actually ironic. That's the night we lost and were upset and we were staying in Fairview Heights. Uh, and obviously, Barry resigned after our loss. And shortly after, we got Brian and, and here we are right now. So it's just ironic. So we'll be there. Again, that weekend, yes. Looking forward to that. For those who don't know, tickets are now on sale. Now, Noah, let's segue into some news and some rumors that we've been seeing and hearing about Noah because everybody's talked about. We remember seeing a tweet, someone almost confirming the fact that Murray State was going to join the Missouri Valley. And Noah, we're hearing and seeing, like I said, that maybe that's not going to happen now. Yeah, it's uh, it's what we've been uh, – we know that that the 19th was the date that the meetings was going on. Apparently it's happening the rest of this week as well. That teams will make their presentation. And uh, yeah, what I've been, what I've been seeing is that uh, Murray state has been told no because of the Missouri Valley football conference. Um, what I seen, apparently they voted a couple months ago on that and they were told no. So it looks like Murray state, unless they find a destination for their football team, um, they will not be coming to the Missouri Valley. Yeah, we know that's kind of a – I mean, it's a reasonable reason, but it's kind of a sad reason because, in general, you wouldn't see somebody report that. We know he's a Kentucky uh, – he covers Kentucky basketball, and obviously just in the state itself. We believed him and we, re, and we retweeted him, but, of course, you know, things fall out. That was like two or three months ago, it seems like, at this point. Uh, so we feel like he wouldn't report that without actually knowing. It would make him obviously look bad. Um so it's interesting seeing that, yeah, we, we thought they were a lock. I think we talked about in recent pods, uh, however long ago, that Murray seemed like a lock like some other teams. And, yeah, they were having those meetings, as you said, that have been going on. It, it's, it's not, honestly, because we've talked about the, uh, the region of Murray, and it's not great, and the market's obviously not great. We know they're a quality, quality basketball program. Uh, they just beat Memphis, you know, not too long ago, about a week ago. And we know their recent success, and they're going to continue to land guys and have that in that regard. The football is, as we know, talking about football for SIU in general, that Murray was predicted to be the uh, to win the OBC this year. And they had a down year. They took a recruit from us. So they're building up. They're not great. We've been to the stadium. 
so I could see it where joining the Missouri Valley would be an issue for teams traveling like from North Dakota State or something. It all makes sense. The same reasons, you know, geography-wise of why it'd be hard for other teams in basketball conference to go there and in general. So the market's the biggest reason why, wouldn't you say? Because, like I say, well, I mean, if they came to the Missouri Valley for football, they'd be the equivalent, it seems like, of a Western Illinois. So it's kind of wondrous what the issue is. But uh, what would you say would be the issue on that? Yeah, definitely the market is a definite big problem that's going to keep them away from a lot. And uh, yeah, their foot, if it's because of football, I would I understand it from the Missouri Valley's picture. Um, there's not really much to say, but academic, like school-wise and uh, um, facility-wise, it would be a no-brainer. Just if we're talking just basketball. It would probably, if we wanted to expand, it would be a no-brainer. But, uh, yeah, I think, but if, because we've been talking a lot and we've been looking at it pretty much from the um, Missouri Valley perspective, basketball-wise and things like that. But um, we were talking today about it a little bit, and I thought about it. Well, if we sit down and look at it from the SIU perspective, um, Mike Reese has mentioned it before that, SIU has apparently blocked it or uh, been against it before. Um, we're fighting over enrollment from for students, and uh, if it's if it's up to us, um, if you want to, if they want to, I would say they've had our number for the last couple of years. So uh, that could be another two. Like if they come to the valley, then it could be two more losses on our schedule. So uh, if we're looking at it our ways, I'd say yeah, keep them out of it. Um, it would help us up maybe, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it would be a no-brainer. I know the football team, but uh, we were talking today. I mentioned, but do what do they also bring? Are they going to add – it would just, like, at-large-wise, like we were talking in the couple, past couple of years, would they get in a large bid in the Valley? Probably not. So uh, you have to think it would cut down the uh, money spread out throughout all the teams, and it just costs us more money. So to really think about – what do they bring? We know they have had success, but but then then I think of it in their perspective. Why would you want to leave if if Belmont's coming to Missouri Valley and we know Little Rock's coming and they have a decent program, but Austin P's leaving and we know Brad Corn's doing a good job with SEMO. I if I if I if SIU was in Murray State's perspective, I would I would want to stay in OVC because you'd be almost a lock to win that conference forever. It's a good point. We talk endlessly about why Gonzaga leaves, and we might touch on that as everyone's got their reasons. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, if we were in those shoes, we would want to make the move just because we think we're a quality program. Like Loyola has had the ultimate success. That warrants leaving. Like Murray's made an appearance. Granted, John Morant was there, who's an NBA star already. Like, he, you know, you benefited off of his, you know, greatness in that season. They haven't made it otherwise. Yeah, I, know. I think we just wanted it, obviously, because just the fact that we knew a team was going to come, and it's like, well, Murray makes the most sense outside of the uh, issue with where they're located and stuff. Yeah, and we talked about if they wouldn't fit for football, the fact that, obviously, we know in the football conference, we have North Dakota State teams like that that aren't in the basketball conference. They're still in their own basketball conference. Why that couldn't be, you know, OBC and NBC, I'm sure, are deemed as rivals in a way. They don't like that Belmont's coming here. It's just the product of making the leap, as like we said, Loyola is kind of, that you're right. They were kind of blocked them in terms of the enrollment. Yes, we know a lot of people 
that have been in our area and SIU's backyard going to Murray State definitely happens. I can see why there'd be some uh, hesitancy on that, and it will continue to happen as time goes on. Um, but yeah, other than that, basketball centric. The more we the more we dissect this, it does make sense why we wouldn't add. And from their perspective, yeah, let's let's continue to win till we can get in the tournament because the OVC is kind of falling apart. That they would see why should we leave kind of thing, and then. Like the Gonzaga thing's been a thing because they don't have a football program. They can't go to the Mountain West or the Pac-12 and stuff. And who knows? Like, I'm sure their campus is good. You know, they built themselves up to be a national whatever, to have the money to build up to be a decent overall school. So that's an example. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't understand why they would leave either, I guess, looking at it. And then us adding them, you're right. What would it benefit other than that? Because even though I'm just thinking, obviously, their team now, Tevin Brown, Great player. He's gonna he's gonna be maybe the all-time leading scorer there, all-time shooter there. He's still doing his thing. Once he leaves, like that productivity's gone. So it's like they're kind of starting fresh. It would be like a you know why kind of thing. So we honestly think no, they should just stick with ten. We've talked about that. Uh, you know, adding Belmont to replace Loyola in terms of success. You know, Belmont's never made a Final Four. Clearly, it's hard to do that at this level. But Belmont's been to the tournament. They know what to expect. They're just a quality, quality team with Nashville that we love having. It'd almost be like, okay, we're losing Loyola and what they bring. Let's just bring in uh, Belmont. It would be perfect. But no, we know we want the – they want the Chicago market back. And also, isn't there kind of a rumor that UIC is, seems like would be confirmed right away to make it just 11? Yeah, that, that would probably be the next one because uh... – Another thing on Murray is uh, I read the other day that um, their their enrollment is like ninety four like close to ninety five hundred, and that would put it last among Missouri Valley Public Universities. And its endowment of ninety one million would be second lowest of any Valley school ahead of Indiana State. So, uh, but if you're looking at really what we're looking at is when you get to UIC, it's the market. Missouri Valley is looking to get a wider market when you get it back into Chicago somehow. And uh, if you're looking for a market and a broader market, Murray State isn't it. And if you, besides men's basketball, any other athletics, Murray State is not it. They've had no success in a lot of the other. So it's it's hard to say because when you when we're just looking at men's basketball, it would be an automatic lock. But that's not it. So, but yeah, UIC would probably be it. We know. There's not a lot of success when it comes to Murray or UIC. Um, they have decent facilities, um, but yeah, the market is the main reason there. Yeah, and I'd say the prototypical person wouldn't care for much for UIC because obviously it just sounds like a small school, and that's why I would just say the forcing of a Chicago market, which we've had it, so we know what it's like, so we crave it and we want it more. Uh, it's just like yeah, I mean, we talk about. I mean, what would they bring in other sports? I mean, they would solely be for basketball, probably. Uh, I just think with the 10, if you add them and then you'd have to add another, and we've talked about the teams that it could be, I just think that would be kind of a forced thing, knowing that they're going to come in here and be a bottom feeder as well. Like we've talked about, if they go to a better conference, it could land better players for them. We've known we've known players that have played in our conference here in Marion, the South 7, which used to be the best conference in obviously Southern Illinois doesn't look like that nowadays at times but the player that went there like so the players go there it's just a matter of you know if they go to this next level they could land better players it seems like a force of Chicago I mentioned earlier and it's not going to happen DePaul DePaul has been a bottom feeder of the Big East for a while they've landed players 
that seems like a team that you could snag if they were to take a step down. It's not going to happen. That'd be a team that uh, would come here and would dominate and be really good, but it'd just be interesting. I'd ask. But it's funny because that, that'd be a Chicago market you want. You don't want any other smaller schools. So we'll see how it plays out. It's always a fun uh, thing to talk about, clearly, and the future of what the Valley holds. Like you said, Belmont is an absolute 100% A-plus ad. So, yeah, I mean, like we said, Murray not coming wouldn't be the end of the world. I just thought it made sense. You know, a final thought from you. Yeah, if you look at a little bit more about UIC, um, with their enrollment of 33,000 students, that would be by far the highest enrollment of any Valley institution. And that's, in fact, more than Evansville, Valpo, Dragon, Bradley, and Belmont combined. And uh, their endowment, they might have a specific endowment, but it draws um, $2.4 billion um, in their entire University of uh, UI, of Illinois Chicago system. So, and looking at a little bit in there, they haven't since 1981, they've moving to D1, they haven't a lot of struggled lately, not a lot of success. But if you look at other schools, um, talking women's basketball, their women's basketball is even worse than men's. But uh, teams, uh, their soccer, their soccer and baseball squads have a lot of historical success. So, uh, and it's in Chicago, and we stay that market of Chicago. So it's looking like that will be the one. And uh, I would say maybe for now that that would be it. But yeah. I think uh, otherwise, and if you look at it, if, since I took that Murray State in the SIU's perspective, um, if you're looking at it, not a successful program, that could be two more wins on our schedule. Yeah, that's a good point. I just think, you know, adding bad teams doesn't really do anything overall from the grand scheme. Well, they have, a, because people will look at it from a basketball perspective. You just gave the business side, which is what matters most in the end. They could care less what they could probably put on the floor to an extent. They care about the market. They care about, you said, the enrollment, which being in Chicago helps, obviously, this school a lot. It helps from all that perspective, the money they bring in, you said, or the money, that you know, in general. Like we said, Loyola is in a good place. We talked about our budget before, and the other parts of Illinois suffer. The teams that are in Chicago, the help Chicago gets in and of itself overall helps even these schools and UIC benefits. But yeah, other than that, they're not even looking. From a basketball perspective, it doesn't look great. But business side, it looks fantastic. You mentioned the other sports they have there that can come in and compete outside of their women's team. So it is interesting. It does seem like, I mean, we've talked about locks, and Murray seemed like a lock. UIC does to this point. Uh, just be weird to add 11 teams, and they might find a 12th before next season, but the time's taken on all that, so we'll see. So like I said, it's a fun conversation about all that, Noah, and we, there was something else we mentioned earlier that you can touch on, because obviously it helps. We mentioned like being able to schedule teams like Butler. Overall, Noah, bracket busters, as we recall, used to be a huge thing. I don't remember what year it was they cut that off, uh, but bracket busters used to be a big deal, and they probably should bring it back. Yeah, we got into the we, – we were what got us in, what got me into that is we were talking about uh, all these schedules with COVID, this random and scheduling, getting – teams on your schedule and uh yeah that was so much fun remember bracket bracket buster games um yeah i don't know i don't remember exactly when that they cut that off but uh that was a great time it was so much fun um i wish they would bring it back um hopefully they i doubt they do i don't know why they cut it off but that was so much fun because we had so many good matchups late in the season. You know, um, when that time coming around, you saw the – they always had, always had it on the calendar, bracket buster game. You, you knew what night you were playing. So 
it was always fun. I remember um, going up to Ball State to watch SIU play uh, Marion's Aaron a day away. Um, that's one one of them that sticks out to me. So uh, yeah, I wish they would bring it back. Just just thinking about like last year us uh, going getting the Butler game or in football getting the South Southeastern Louisiana game. Just like random games that we know are good games and. Yeah, just bringing back those bracket buster memories. To be honest, I think they have that. They just don't call it that anymore because this year we've seen a lot of – granted, the MTEs are running rampant now, and they used to anyway. Just bracket busters, I think they just don't call it that. They still do that with non-con – a lot of good non-con games and overall. Uh, so I think it's still there. They just call it – they just don't call it that anymore. But yeah, but it doesn't have the effect at the end of the right. season for those bubble teams having to play each other, get another good resume spot. So – it's not it's not as random, but yeah, teams do schedule to to ramp up their resume. But I just at the end of the season, you or towards the end of the season, the middle conference play, you know, you have that back at Buster game, and it could be against anybody on the bubble. That's that was just what sticks out to me. It's a good point, yeah, because I don't think they look at it specifically like that, like they used to in terms of well, if you face who we know, like net and everything's a big thing now. So it's all about who you played and playing those teams that could be there in the end. Yeah, that's interesting. They don't take it as serious as they do now, even though we would love it to, because that's obviously when college basketball was at its best. And I just mentioned the net. No, I don't know if you have it on you. We mentioned earlier about maybe discussing it, a uh, thing on the net. Actually, we'll save that for whenever we talk about other things. Uh, real quickly, we know Brian Brian Moore, who's a JUCO product. Uh, he's from New York. No, what JUCO is he from again? Uh, I believe Northeastern Oklahoma. Northeast Oklahoma. We know he's a talented, and we thought he trimmed his list to have us out of it. This was a while back because we actually unfollowed him on Twitter and everything. But no, he had 22, 22 hours ago, he had offers and interest on another list that we were on along with teams like Mizzou, uh, DePaul, Wichita State, St. Bonaventure, Tulsa, Rutgers, decent schools, and then you have like Illinois State on here. So it looks like we're still on there even Iona with Rick Pitino. So he's a really, really good player. We don't think we'll land him. We also didn't we also said that about Cade. So I think it obviously is still a a uh, you know could obviously happen. And like I said, he's talented. So we'll see how this plays out. Uh, I'm not sure when his decision is I doubt he has one anytime soon. So uh, we wanted to touch on that. We'll keep an eye out for that continuously. Um, now, Noah, let's jump into this Maryville game. It was one of those we expected to win, clearly. We won by a score of 75-55. Uh, going, let's let's look at the halftime box score, and then we'll finish it out, and we'll talk about some quotes that the teams had. Uh, we didn't start this game well. It was bad shooting on both ends. Uh, and I remember just because, okay, we were listening to it. Both of us just had to listen to it because we were working, and obviously it was a game we didn't really care to stream, so it was one of those, and we were tweeting off. Uh, hearing it, you know, they were saying how, you know, shots that were falling in SEMO were not falling in this game. Uh, but we ended it pretty good with three-point shooting and better defense. Uh, we were only up by, I don't recall exactly the top of my head, but we were up. We were not by, we were up by 12 on at halftime. So uh, Marcus had 18 minutes at the, he or Cash, Noah, we'll get to it. He didn't even score in the second half. 16 points on 6 of 10 shooting. Unbelievable. He started the game with a steal and a dunk. And Noah, he ended it on a dunk, which we'll get to that Brian said that that was kind of a design thing at the end of the half. Uh, so he was feasting. Like I said, 16. Marcus had half of that with eight, shooting the ball pretty well. Uh, who else? Had Tyler had five. Great to see him doing good again. Uh, Dalton had three. We'll get to his game. So 
know what your takeaways from the first half. Like I said, did not shoot well. Steven only shot once. Uh, but Anthony got in here, got a, got two points. We know we can score with ease when he's in there. Troy, ten minutes. What were your takeaways? Yeah, it was a it was a still not a good start. We still got to figure those out. Um, but it was good to see or good to listen to uh, a decent first half. I would say against a decent D two team. Um, always in these games, you want to see, you want to look and see how they play, how they react, and make sure you play the right way first and foremost and um, hold yourself to the own standard and just play the right basketball and a uh, good first half um, getting to the line seven times I thought that was pretty good um, eight turnovers very sloppy with the ball at some times in that first half um, but yeah good to see Cash is active um, we can rely on him now for a little bit of scoring um, good to see Anthony back um, got a little bit minutes seven minutes in the first half um, good to see everybody get involved. We know we sat Lance Jones for resting, that turf toe they're calling it. Um, so uh, out-rebounded out them by three, so that's good. Um, and we got the, ball in the, got the ball in the paint a little bit, 14 paint points in the first half. Yeah, you're right. We didn't want to touch on Lance because we kind of predicted that the fact that he shouldn't play in that game. He didn't look right to us, and that is exactly what happened. Yeah, he did not. So Dalton started in place of him. Uh, yeah, you mentioned the turnovers were probably a little too much at this point. They had 10 points off of those. Other than that, we did pretty well. 14 p- points apiece uh, in the paint and everything, so we had them beat everywhere. Probably should have rebounded them a little bit. They had four offensive boards. So I say we had a rough start shooting. We ended up shooting 59% from the field. So doing things pretty well, just our defense was probably a little whatever at times. So, Noah, let's look at the final box score and how it ended up. Up by 12 and a half, one by 20, as we said. It was a nice warm-up game. Like we say, Cash, who still led us in points, did not score in the second. I didn't even take a shot. He was just, I guess, played 29 total minutes, so he was kind of just doing his thing, passing and everything. He had four assists, two steals, and we mentioned he's one of our leading rebounders, only had two. Not a whole lot from him. Steven, though, 11 second-half points on eight shots, six rebounds, 26 minutes. Uh, Noah Marcus ended up with only 10, but it was good to see, and Brian and them joked about it after the game about Marcus's minutes, clearly that's something that always sticks out. Only had 30 in this one, so he's about, what, they said like nine and a half less than he averages. He did not finish the game, which was good, uh, but he was pretty efficient when he was out there, only shot five times. So it was one of those games that we even, we said, and even maybe Missouri Baptist, uh, maybe you don't even play Marcus. You just rest him up for, you get everything out of him tomorrow night, and then you rest him for conference. Who knows how that'll play out. Uh, Noah, some things that stuck out here again. Uh, Dalton had 10, and uh, even he said after the game, we'll get touched on some more stuff, he said his defense could have been a little better, and obviously he knew he had to step up with Lance. I say step up. In this game, just play without Lance out there. Had 10 points, six rebound, or six assists, two rebounds in 28 minutes. Uh, ben Harvey had six points, both on threes. He had six rebounds that tied for the team lead, him and Steven, which was great to see. Great to see Ben out there doing his thing. And then Tyler Noah again, one of those games, well, they don't have anybody that could stop him on that end. If he got deep in the paint, had 12, 5 of 5 from the field in 18 minutes. Um, what else still got here? We met J.D. only had four. So overall, Noah and Anthony had that six. He had a nice dunk. J.D. had a monster dunk. Uh, overall, great uh, player performance by all, probably. Yeah, really good performance. Um, good to see uh, Marcus uh, still keeping up, um, doing everything, 10-4-4. Um, then seeing Dalton, his uh, confidence is growing, especially on the defensive side, did a really good job. 
um, on Ari Jackson, their leading scorer, holding the 13 points on 5-11 shooting. So really good job on, on that side of the ball. Um, even though he said he'd like to um, like to do better a little bit. Had three turnovers, got a sloppy a little bit, but that's expected of him having the ball that much. Um, ended up with 13 turnovers on a team-wise. That's too many, especially in a game like that, but uh, it didn't matter. But, yeah, it's good to see that Anthony – uh, Anthony got involved. Um, we got to see Anthony play alongside JD and Kyler, like we've been talking about. We thought we, they definitely could do that. Um, Troy um, doing the little thing right. Not a lot of box score stuff for him. Got three assists. Um, but yeah, Steven with another solid game. Only had what two points in the first half, so ended up with eleven. Um, love to see him get aggressive. Have six rebounds. And play like he, playing like he is, and yeah, getting getting Anthony and Ben Harvey in a groove because we're definitely going to need them tomorrow night. Yeah, Brian touched on that because knowing Lance wasn't playing and he didn't want to play Marcus a whole lot, even though thirty still a lot, that he wanted to get guys like Anthony and Ben in. Yeah, he said Anthony had a good Friday practice, so he was definitely able to play in this one. Uh, so yeah, get him getting him fourteen minutes before the game, and you mentioned the big having the bigs in there at once. Wasn't there a report or something saying that we had however many bigs on the court at the same time, but we think one of those might have been Troy. Yeah, the recap on the uh, app said Mullins experimented with different lineups throughout the game. At one point in the first half, SIU had three bigs on the floor, plus 6-7 forward Ben Coupette. So it's interesting, yeah. I wouldn't imagine, unless they think they'll have to play Kyler, J.D., Uh, and Anthony. It's not going to happen. Uh, so we're thinking they're talking about Troy for sure. Um, so, yeah, that's that's funny. But, yeah, as a team, we only had those five turnovers in the second half. We uh, rebounded them. They had a, they had good bench production, 22 points. We had 24. Uh, we had rebounded them by nine, uh, 13 on defense, which is what we hang our hat on to an extent as well, 12 more assists, the yeah, overall, and, and eight more bench or paint points. So they still had 16 points of our turnovers, had the same amount of steals. So, Definitely a quality, like we said, a nice warm-up game. They have some nice players with some cool last names, swims and scales. Uh, we shot 6 of 13 from 3 in the first and 5 of 13 in the second half. Uh, so just some touch-up things. Like we said, this was just a warm-up for the bigger game tomorrow. Uh, so, Noah, as we recall, obviously when Brian talked after the game, he did talk about Anthony's and everything and talked about Dalton and having to play with Lance out. He was asked again about Steven, about the typical, you know, that he, you don't really 100% always see it on the box score, but he's so steady. Uh, what else did Brian mention of notice? Obviously, we did not know anything about Trent. We'll get to his interview in a second. What else did Brian mention? Was he asked about the having the bigs on the court at the same time? Uh, he mentioned uh, he was uh, they were mixing up some rotations and getting Anthony on the floor with Kyler and JD at some points. So he did mention that, and uh, yeah, they didn't mention a lot. He, he was a uh, he thought he was a uh, he was he was pretty pretty happy with the performance, um, playing the right way and uh, making sure of that and uh, coming out with a win. Um, and also he uh, he didn't mention much other. They joked like you said they joked about Marcus's minutes, and uh, that's about it. Yeah, and then we, we know that that's it, you know, when he talks to Mike and them after the game, but then obviously he talks to the media after the fact. He did say when he was asked about experimenting with different lineups, and you mentioned having the three bigs with cash out there, he said, quote, I wanted to see some defensive things that we can implement for after Christmas into Valley play. 
seeing how guys guard different actions and then offensively working on post-passing and high-low entries, which we know high-low last year Noah was worked wonders at times. Defensively, some of those guys weren't used to playing with each other, so our connection on the defensive side was hurt a little bit, but the guys completed, competed. Um, so now let's segue into some other stuff. Where he said, I thought he played with a good confidence when he talked about Dalton. We'll get some words from him. And it was good to see him shoot the ball well in the second half. He had a much better pace and was able to get downhill and push the ball in transition for us. So, yeah, Dalton was the player of the game and talked to them. And, yeah, he talked about not having Lance and knowing that it wasn't – He know he knows Lance is important for the program, he said, but it was vital – for him to just come in and play. Like, it wasn't really totally of just filling Lance's shoes, obviously. It was just him playing. And over the course of the game, he did get comfortable. You know, something important he was also asked about was about the – he was asked about J.D. a little bit and knowing, obviously, and they were saying, well, J.D. exclusively around the rim, which he is, and saying how important that the guard and big uh, chemistry that they're still working on to develop into a team that can rely on that. And he said J.D. can obviously be one of the best – one of the best bigs on the team – whenever that connection's working. What else did he talk about? He talked about, uh, uh, he did mention his turnovers were probably a little more than he wanted, even though it was only three. What else did Dalton mention on those that you remember from the post-game interview? Yeah, he was also, he was, uh, like you mentioned, he was talking about the uh, how important the big guard relationship is, and they've been working on that. That's a that's probably the biggest takeaway from that. And he, he was, uh, he said he was pretty, Happy in this game. Then I believe uh, Mike asked um, this game against San Francisco, is this one that's like kind of circled on your calendar or is it just another game? He said, yeah, well, we think this is a, this is, this is probably one we circle on our calendar almost. I'm um, forgetting what the exact words I use, but. Uh, yeah, just saying that they want to play these yeah, teams. Yeah, they want to play these teams and they want to play the best in the country and they want to compete against them. Yeah, it was great. As we remember, he was a decent part of that Butler game as well. So they do want to play those. Uh, those big games. Uh, Dalton did say, I'm starting to feel confident again. I didn't have the greatest start to the year, but I've been getting in the gym extra, trying to get out of my funk a little bit. And we've talked about his funk, and it does look like he's snapping out of it a little bit. Well, he's going to need to definitely snap out of it tomorrow. And obviously moving forward, and then Brian was asked about Kyler. Quote, he's con- about his 12 points on the bench. Quote, he's competitive when he gets the ball down there. We have to keep finding ways to get him the ball in position to be successful. Points in the paint allows the shooters to have more space when he kicks it out as well. One thing I remember from Brian talking to Mike and after the game about the defense, when he talked to him, it was lacking at times. But knowing we actually uh, uh, wore them down by the end of it, he said that is our calling card. That's what we want to be known for, I'm paraphrasing here, our defense, which he talked about wearing teams down. And that, that's vital because we know we've been quality defensive team at times this year, that it is our calling card. That's what he wants to be as a team. That's what we've been known as. For a long time at SIU, definitely even before Henson, after Henson now, uh, as a defensive team. So we do hang our hat on that for sure. So that's how everything in this game happened. Like I said, we just wanted to have some takeaways moving to the important games. We know we have another Division II game after tomorrow. Uh, so it'll, it was just fun to recap this one and how it went. We ended up dominating. Uh, so now, Noah, let's segue into quickly – uh, there were a couple, obviously we know, like we said, COVID's running rampant around college basketball and sports in general. For some programs, college basketball, not a whole lot, but a decent amount. No, and of course, two of them were in the Valley. Yeah, two of them's in the Valley. It's impacted Loyola Chicago, who is expected. They missed their um, Davidson game and um, 
forget the other game. He's but, in Norfolk State. Yeah, Norfolk State. Um, so uh, they will be taking the rest of the time off and then looking their return to action. will be Their first game back will be um, opening – well, second game of the Valley, I should say, since we had one of the first uh, against us. So uh, that that's big there. Then Evansville, who was supposed to have a play a really good SMU team tonight, um, had that canceled. I know SMU has been a quality team in the American. I'm not sure – how that would have fared for Evansville. But, yeah, Loyola, I'm not sure how to feel about that. They get, you know, obviously they have to deal with COVID, but the fact that they get two weeks off, that could be a good or a bad thing. We know that in general uh, coming off COVID, but they get two weeks and they get to play us next. So that'll be interesting to see what they do coming on the road, obviously, to our place uh, when the new year hits for that. So looking forward to that. What about, so that's unfortunate for those two schools, obviously, hoping that it just stays within them. It doesn't reach other Valley teams. To know those other Valley teams, what has been happening and what's some upcoming games for them? Yeah, uh, Saturday, uh, Indiana State hosted Alabama Alabama A&M, um, defeated them 67-43, so a dominant win over not a very good basketball team. Then Bradley hosted uh, St. Joseph's, uh, usually a pretty good team out of the A-10. Um, Four-point four win for Bradley, so a pretty good solid victory. For Bradley there. Didn't they get a – what's his name got hurt, didn't he? Or Jayshon Henry. Yeah, Jayshon Henry. Hit in that game. Took a hurt. late, late hit um, on a flagrant foul towards the end of the game on a layup. But uh, he don't think he may play for them tonight. Um, Illinois State hosted Ball State, beat them 85-64. Um, Northern Iowa took a trip out to Marshall, beat them by 15. Um, Marshall's usually a decent program. Uh, Missouri State hosted Central Arkansas, beat them by 36. Um, Missouri State's starting to get back on the right track. Then on Sunday, Drake hosted UT Martin and blew them out. Um, they were supposed to play Chicago State that day, and I believe Chicago State's having COVID issues. Then on yeah, UT Martin segued from not playing Evansville to at Drake. Yes. Right, so. Then on on Sunday or on Monday, Indiana State hosted a non D1. Oakland City beat them by struggled really ugly basketball game struggled but they won that game 78-69. Then uh, Valpo got a decent home win against Eastern Michigan, a decent MAC program. Um, they're starting to play a little bit. They were down a lot of that game, but finished got hot late in the second half from three. How did Kobe King do in that game? Let's take a look. Nine points. Just glad to keep an eye on him. Obviously coming back and the impact he can have. Uh, quickly let him. Led them with 17. Actually, Taylor off the bench had 18. So, yeah, they're a deep quality team. you got to look out for them. Then uh, Illinois State today um, hosted UTSA. UTSA without, was that, without one of their better players. Um, Illinois State won 81-64. Antonio Reeves led them with 21 points. Then tonight um, we have Bradley um, playing Sam Houston in the Don Haskins Sun Bowl Invitational. Um Invitational, that's a one-game shootout, I believe so. Then Evansville got canceled, SMU. Then tomorrow night, looking ahead, um, William & Mary is at Valpo. Liberty at – well, no, Northern Iowa is out in Hawaii, I believe. They're in the Diamond Head Classic. I forget where that's at. That's somewhere. The Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head. Yeah. Then uh, I guess. one that got canceled, right? Drake in St. Louis got canceled because of COVID. Uh, Indiana State, Northern Illinois – Missouri State, St. Mary's, that's a big one. we got two Missouri Valley teams versus WCC teams. That's really big. Then 
uh, quality opportunity at Davidson Loyola got canceled. So that's, that sucks there. Yeah. And I, again, I'll, I'll say that I admire Missouri state for playing these quality. I mean, St. Mary's is 10 and three. I mean, and that's going on the road a nine o'clock game for us, obviously for them, it would be a seven o'clock game. So, I mean, that's a big game for them as well. And obviously, like you said, WCC, us and them are playing that, just taking advantage. But that's just how Missouri State's schedule has fallen. Uh, kudos to them for scheduling the team that they have. Going back, you mentioned uh, Northern Iowa. Yeah, they do play Liberty. But they went back on that Saturday, and they did play at Marshall, who, yes, is a decent program. I just wanted to add that AJ had 29 in that game. So he's heating up. Northern Iowa is now 4-5. and five. They're slowly but surely working their way back to being a threat, I believe. Probably over time, we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, a lot of these teams, and you mentioned Illinois State because we talked, Noah, it seemed like a lot that they'd be the 10 seed at the end of the Valley season. But, Noah, they've showed a promise. We know, like you said, they had a game earlier, Antonio Reeves at 21. Uh, that if he can lead them and they can get quality, I mean, they got Josiah uh, Strong coming off the bench. We know he's been good. He's a quality veteran. Like, they obviously, or obviously, but uh, cannot – maybe not finish in the like 10th they might they could finish in the top six if they probably wanted to they have that knockoff ability yeah they have the makings i'd say their ceiling is that sixth seed to get out of thursday night but yeah they have the makings to be a really good ball club and uh yeah to give people problems with their athleticism and uh, ability of some guys to score the basketball so it'd be really interesting to see um once valley play gets started then you mentioned you and i yeah you and i's uh had their up and downs. Uh, I was really shocked watching some of their games. I'm really shocked with as great of a coach Ben Jacobson is. Um, it just looks that when they struggle, it's uh, their offense is, hey, let's just give AJ the ball and they expect him to go get a bucket. And uh, you usually don't see that out of you and I basketball team. And um, when they're struggling, it's if AJ can't is off one night, they're. You're right. No one really has stepped up. We know Fife's been ghosted. Sometimes Burhow hasn't. He's won a player of the week, but he hasn't been that great. Yeah, the Liberty game. Liberty's projected 70% chance to win. So we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah, Drake and Slew, that was a game we remember talking that. Uh, uh, it was out DeVries, in Vegas. Yeah, in Vegas. And DeVries was talking about how, you know, that game, how it came about and everything. And uh, it's a quad one and quad two wins. We know Slew barely just lost to Auburn at home. So Slew's still good without Perkins. That would have been a really, really good game. So they're without Perkins. They're without Roman Penn. It's interesting. We talked about Illinois State maybe not finishing in the bottom. That We talked about teams that maybe could. Maybe two of the Indiana teams, Indiana State and Evansville. Because if Indiana State obviously could be that team, they can win. But without Tyree Key, it'll be a struggle in Evansville. If they rely on Gibbons a little too much. Uh, they could be there. So obviously we'll see it all plays out. When it when it hits Valley, everything's out the window. So that's around the Valley. Uh, now, Noah, a couple more things. Wasn't there a mid-major top 25 you wanted to touch on some schools that are in that? Yeah, uh, I believe it was Sean Paul um, who does a really good job um, covering college basketball and a lot of the mid-major things. But uh, he put out today um, his mid-major top 25. Loyola was number one. San Francisco, number two. Um, Belmont's three. That's one to watch out. St. Mary's, who plays tomorrow night against one of the Murray State or Missouri State at five. Murray State at six. Uh, then looking around, you have Missouri State at 18, Drake at 15. So uh, um, three Valley schools and four, if you count Belmont, in the top, in his top 25 in the mid-major top 25. 
That's crazy because obviously all those teams have connections with us. San Fran playing tomorrow, Loyola, obviously. Uh, even St. Bonaventure has fallen off that a little bit. They've scuttled uh, a tad bit. We've mentioned them in Colorado State even, which they're in the Mountain West. They're really not a mid-major overall, or they'd be on there, but they're ranked a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, it's ironic. And then seeing uh, – is it – yeah, you said Missouri State. We're thinking maybe that's a tad high, uh, but just the fact that obviously they're getting into gear as we've talked about. And then uh, – so that's not surprising. They'll be a threat, obviously. So that is – of notice a little bit Loyola leading the way. We know, obviously, that's a team we strive to be if you want to get looked at in that regard. Uh, so, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that throughout the year. We mentioned the, the net. Noah, do you have an update on the net by chance? Yeah, well, SIU, believe, the latest net were ranked uh, 148th in the country, which our high was uh, 147th. Our high was uh, 120th, wasn't it, or something? I think we were at 111 yeah, when we were in the Paradise Jam. But, uh yeah, that's uh, – then I, I was looking at San Francisco. They were in the 30s, uh, the low 30s, so uh, 34 for San Francisco. Yeah, and we've talked, obviously, at large chances for a lot of these Valley teams. It's far-fetched. We thought it could be okay. Uh, but even teams like Drake could help their own their own cause. It's going to be a whoever Valley – Loyola would have the only shot, obviously. But even they've dropped a couple games that they had in reach, like the Alabama game and stuff. And, other teams they played. So uh, it's going to just be a Valley tournament going, and it's going to stink. We mentioned earlier, and, yeah, it's going to only be a one Valley league this year, potentially. We know, you know, but we talked about our games and what we've been given. Who knows what we'd be. If we would have beat Creighton, Noah, who's ranked now, who's been on a roll, if we would have beat uh, Tulsa, I mean, they're whatever. I don't think they're – they're not ranked, obviously, but they're still who they are. And then this game tomorrow, if we would knock them off on the road, that obviously would help us in that regard. But in that aspect, you just want to win games like tomorrow to prepare you for the Valley because that large chances are not happening. So that segues us into another small topic real fast. Andy Katz, we know, covers the NCAA pretty well, uh, had his own little predictions for March Madness and the brackets and things that stick out. Uh, Murray State, who we know have been big discussions we've talked about, they have a really good chance of – making the tournament this year. We've mentioned they beat Memphis. They're projected a 12 seed to him, facing Villanova. Good luck in that one, but we know Villanova has kind of been semi-overrated this year. Uh, the way Murray State can shoot, who knows? Uh, our own Illinois is a 6 seed. Loyola they have as a 7, facing a 10 seeded Indiana, which is very interesting. And that's just – we want to look at these just for what he sees at this point and what obviously has played out to this point. San Francisco is a 10 seed, facing Texas as a 7. So – a lot of teams, obviously, that we've messed with. I don't know if – yeah, Creighton's in 11. So a lot of teams that we face this year are on here. That's why it could have been beneficial for us, obviously, to win a lot of these games. Maybe knocking off Loyola once could help us as well. Uh, we're not going to be on this barring – we'll be at 14 through 16 if we win the Valley Tournament probably. Uh, so it's fun to talk about. Like I said, you said Belmont was third in that mid-major. They're Obviously, we're getting them always quality. So – a lot of quality around these mid-majors and teams that are associated with us in any facet in these seasons. So now, Noah, let's segue into the San Francisco preview. We were going to say undefeated, but they lost. Uh, they beat Arizona State by only one, and now I've drawn blanks. Who did they face the game before that? They only lost by one. Grand the, Canyon. Which Neutral Grand, side game in Phoenix. And Grand Canyon, and actually, we know a decent, really decent program. Scott Drew's brother, can't think of his name. Uh, Bryce. Bryce Drew is at Grand Canyon doing a really good job. 
So they're quality and obviously only losing by one. So they've had a couple one-point games recently. Maybe you can get them while they're down. Doubt it. They are at home, though, no 11-1 and one San Francisco. Let's jump in, John. Yeah, really weird how they scheduled um, Saturday, Sunday games. But uh, just think about you meant we were talking about uh, Andy Katz, 68-team. Uh, Speaking of San Francisco, I was looking at Joe Lenardi's the other day. His came out. He had San Francisco as a nine-seed playing Loyola. Winner gets Duke. I thought that was pretty interesting. That'd be a great three-game stretch to watch, two-game stretch to watch. Uh, yeah, speaking of the Dons, um, very impressive on the offensive end this so far this season. Um, they're 15th in the country in effective field goal percentage, 44th in the country in three-point percentage at 37%, 18th in the country in two-point two-point shooting at 56%. Um they're 24th in the country in percentage of points coming from the three-point line at 40%. So 40 point, 40%, 40% coming off the three-point line for them. Um, they're 16th in the country in three-point attempts. So uh, our three-point defense is going to have to show up tomorrow night. Um, they are a great offensive rebounding team. Um, 99th in the country in offensive rebounding percentage, 31%. Um, but offensively, if you're looking at flaws, um, they are 301st in the country in turnover percentage on the offensive end at 21.9%. So uh, they have some problems. Turn They turn the ball over. They tend to turn the ball over at a high rate, so uh, that's one to watch out for. Then uh, one also, if this game were to come down to free throws, we're probably right down there with them. Um, but 20, 298th in the country at free throw percentage at 65%. Um, not very good. So uh, – Offensively, they're going to be a challenge. Uh, our de- our three-point defense is going to come, going to have to come to play if we want, we want to stop them offensively. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because, like we just had said, and Brian talking how our calling card should be our defense this year. That's always a game going against a team like this. Uh, that defense should or needs to prevail on your team. Obviously, you need to score points, but if you can hold them, hold them serve on offense. And granted, they're at home, so it'll be tough. This is the uh, we're one and two all time against them, uh, which you mentioned their net ranking of 34. Uh, obviously, we played them about two years ago when we in Brian's first year when we were you know an unbeatable home team. We had a really good year that year, like I said, picked 10th, finished fifth. Uh, but we're playing them now, and they beat us by 16. It seemed like a lot more than that at the time. They dominated us. Uh, so both teams are semi different, clearly. Uh, and then a neutral sites in 1967, we lost by 16. In 2009, we beat them by one. So I've only played them a handful of times. We know Bill Russell went to school there. What other current player in the NBA do that? Or they have Imudoka, who's the right, who's the obviously the head coach of the Celtics. He Correct. went there. So they have some you know ties to history uh, for sure. Uh, Brian, we do have some quotes here from Brian. What what about a personnel? Let's jump into that. Yeah, quick quick before we get into per- some personnel. Um, as good as they've been on offensively, they might as they've been just as good and not if not better on the defense. Um, they're 31st in the country in effective field goal percentage against, 32nd in the country in three point field goal percentage against at 28%. So uh, we know we like to live live by the three sometimes. So that's going to be um, very hard to get off three. Some clean looks apparently tomorrow night. So. It's going to be interesting, but looking, um, the leading scorer is a 6'2", fifth-year senior, Jamarie Bouye, with 18.8 points a game. Um, 
He is uh, started 81 games and played 137 games in five years at San Francisco and was named to the All-WCC Honorable Mention Team as a junior and uh, All-WCC First Team last year as a senior. So uh, he's gonna be, he was the pre, he was preseason All-WCC First Team this year. So uh, um, he's basically their Marcus DeMass. So that's going to be a key matchup to watch out for for our guards. And their um, big man is 6'9", graduate senior, Yahin Mazasaski. I'm probably butchering that. He's averaging 7.5 rebounds per game. Um, he's spent four seasons at a fellow WCC school, San Diego, before transferring over to San Francisco. So uh, it's going to be one to watch. Um, with their big man, it's going to be J.D. and Kyler. Not how much Anthony will be effective in this game with a big man like that. Then our guards are going to have to play. Some other guys is like Khalil Shabazz averaging 10.8 and Gabe Stefani at 9.1. So um, then Patrick Tape, who spent a year at Duke last year, is one to watch out. Been starting for him. So uh, all around a very solid ball club. Um, they're playing so – they're playing really well right now. So uh, – and they're coming off a one-on-one weekend. So uh, we're going to have to – we're going to see what we're made of tomorrow night. Without a doubt, this is a really tough matchup. Yeah, looking at the roster, you said a little bit, <clears throat> definitely led by seniors, and their size is unbelievable. They have a sophomore. I'm not even going to bother trying to pronounce his name. Seven foot two, two seventy. Maybe he works his way into the game. Let me look real fast. He's averaging two and two this year on sixty four percent. Not sure how many minutes he gets. Volodymyr Marcus Betsky, something like that. Voldemir. It sounds like it's just a Vol- Harry Potter name. Volodymyr. Yeah, that's a good one. Something crazy. Uh, so, yeah, you mentioned Patrick Tape. Yes, he was at a Ivy League school, yeah, and then went to Duke. Didn't really cut it there. So here he is, of course, at a, uh, on a team that will play. He is a factor, like you said, led by seniors. Will be tough. I or This game will be tough. Will be tough, hopefully. This game will be tough, uh, especially going on the road, going all the way across country to do so with knowing how good of a team they've been this year. You had a one-on-one week, one-point games, as we said. Uh, quicker, who they who they've been playing this year? They beat uh, by twenty UNLV. They beat Fresno State. We mentioned the uh, Grand Canyon loss. Nevada. Uh, okay, so they played a lot of Mountain West schools. Sanford, Davidson, okay. UAB, some decent programs. A lot of close games. There's some blowouts here, but it's a lot of close games. So obviously they are beatable. It's just the fact that they do provide that. Uh, uh, versatility or that size that we would struggle with. ESPN doesn't think we'll win this game. 92% think they will win. Uh, yeah, and get into real fast. They they score about 74 points a game. They allow about 63. We score about 65. And we allow only uh, 59. So that's a far cry. 15-point difference. We shoot almost the exact same. We shoot 0.5% better, 47% uh, rebounds. I'm sure they're a really good rebounding team. They average about 38. We average 31. We've said we've been okay at that this year. And that seems like a decent number for us to an extent. They're at 38. We got to expect them to be able to rebound. Uh, we average more assists per game, five blocks per game. We mentioned their size. That will play a factor. We mentioned Dalton finishing at the rim, getting blocked. We think hopefully he's improved. Hopefully his last couple games in that regard. We got to finish stronger on the rim. Cash got to be a big part in that regard. We know JD and everybody can finish. You mentioned Anthony. I hope he plays in this game for the size. And even Brian said when he's comparing the bigs in the post game about the versatility Anthony can bring that and we've talked multiple times. It's like he's been listening to us about things. And it seems obvious, obviously, that uh, 
JD and Tyler had, or Anthony brings what those two can't. Uh, like I said, that's obvious. So hopefully we see Anthony in this game. They average eight steals a game and five blocks. So that's 13 a game on those two stats. We have, we're about we're about 8.3 in that regard. So they definitely will get after you. Definitely, definitely, definitely a tough matchup. Uh, what are some other things here? Uh, you mentioned the players that we are, but us, we are a perfect 6-0 and when our defense holds opponents to a field goal percentage of 45% or less. We are 1-4 and when allowing opponents to shoot any better than that. And we know San Francisco probably will, probably will shoot a little better than that. We'll see. Yeah, they've won. It's last six home games, scoring an average of 75 a game while giving up 63. Uh, our defense has only allowed 59 points a game which is the 21st best in the country. And the Dons offense has put up 69, which is 211. You mentioned some of their other stats. They're near the bottom of Division One, And, yeah, free throws were right there with them. I would agree with you for sure. Uh, and, again, here's a stat. Marcus has either made or assisted on 43% of all, of all of our field goals over the last five games. He's accounted for 29 field goals and 25 assists. We know he's been passing the ball tremendously. So, definitely – a game we're going to have to just throw haymakers and see what sticks. Uh, definitely a game. And actually ESPN now gets it, Noah, and we talked earlier, different websites had it. Odd Shark had it, the spread. It says on ESPN about 10 and a half. Must have just popped up. We know it's a 4 o'clock game. So, Noah, 10 and a half. Uh, seems about right, obviously, being on the road. Uh, could be a lot bigger than that for an 11-1 team projected to be in the tournament. Uh, so what are we thinking on that? What are you thinking on the score predictions and what the spread? Yeah, it's a tough thing. That's uh, I think we've seen it at eleven earlier on Odd Shark, but uh, yeah, I think um, defensively, if we play up to our potential, we can stay close in this ball game. So I'll pl- I'll take the plus ten and a half, and I'll take the over. What did you say the over was? One hundred twenty six. Doesn't sound here. I think you said earlier one hundred twenty six. Yeah. So hundred. I'll take the over as well. So uh, yeah, that's what I'd say. Yeah, I agree, and I really can't go against you and say the minus, even though I think they could have that ability to blow teams out, especially at home. We mentioned how they're won the last five at home, so uh, I can definitely uh, see us getting blown out per se, but keeping it close, you mentioned the defense. Yeah, it has to be huge in this. I agree. I will take the over as well and the minus and the plus because I can't disagree with you on that. What about a dog? Dog of the game, it's going to be interesting, but uh, in a game like this um, – I'm gonna say he's on a game like this. You're gonna need your best players to play very well. So uh, I'm gonna say he's gonna be he's well rested. Uh, Lance Jones. We know he struggled a little bit. Um, I think it's time to him get right on the right track and uh, have a big game. Yeah, hopefully he's been rehabbing the ankle. Well, I'm sure he has. Yeah, and we played decent without him. We mentioned the valuability of him compared to other players, and he does get his shots. And he has to be big against uh, quality teams. Yeah, we said that against Tulsa and all these teams. And he was great to start the year at it. Hopefully he can do that on short rest. I'll go with Marcus because we talked about little stuff. We could say bigs, but our, our star players have to be good against teams like this if we expect to win. If they don't play good, we don't stand a chance. So that's how it falls. Like we said, 4 o'clock game uh, tomorrow. Looking forward to it. We actually will have a pod after the game, so we'll post it post-game due to the fact that the holidays that we will not be able to uh, obviously have it out for a while, even another five-day hiatus, which we don't want to do. So we'll be covering this one after the game tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Again, big matchup, big upset potential. Everybody keep an eye out for it. So for Nick Malone, no alerts. We will talk tomorrow. Go dogs.